Welcome to our next episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the 5 Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Greetings, Bob Mosier here. As was introduced in the intro, one of your co-hosts of the Performance Matters podcast, we are so pleased and honored that you join us for yet another one. Actually, this is kind of a milestone podcast for us. This is actually our 40th podcast since we started And we are so pleased and honored that you've joined us throughout many of these. We just had our 11,000, did I say that right? Download, 11,000 downloads of our podcasts across the world. And we so appreciate the feedback and the following. Please continue to let us know how we can improve these, the information you'd like to hear about, what would make them the most helpful, and we will do our very best to produce quality outcome and output. So thanks again so much for joining us. Because it's our 40th episode, what we decided to do this time was go back and listen to some of our most popular ones. And you can probably imagine the Experience Matters series, where we bring on organizations that have done the five moments and have been at it for a while, share their best practices, lessons learned, and stories. And we went through all of them and came out with What We've Learned Along the Way is the title of this particular podcast. And we listened to themes that came out of all of them, some of the best nuggets, best sound bites, and put together 10 of the most popular and common best practices that we've heard across all of these events. So let's get started. Number one, workflow learning fixes the classroom. Unanimously, one of the most powerful things about the five moments is that there are five moments. (laughs) A lot of times we're known a lot as the performance support guys. Obviously, we talk an awful lot about the power of workflow learning and impacting the workflow directly, designing for apply and such. But the reality is that there still are all five moments. There's new and more. And unanimously from all the folks that jumped in, when they focused on the five moments, what they found was that it had a huge impact on the classroom itself. We overteach. People talked about the fact that we just do too much of a content dump. We overload our learners. There's cognitive overload from all the information. We cover everything. And the five moments of need working into the workflow learning as a design methodology and approach, what it allows you to do is let the classroom do what it does best. It lets us do blended learning the way I think our industry has always wanted to do blended learning. We're allowed to blend the perfect amount of classroom learning with what we intentionally put into the workflow with the EPSS and performance support that we design. So there are five moments. New and more are absolutely covered, sometimes in the workflow, we hope. But at the same time, the classroom is allowed to do the things it does best, like be experiential, be about remediation, be about collaboration, be about best practice and idea sharing, let the instructor work the room and do the human side of instruction, not be reliant on hundreds, if not thousands of PowerPoints and this content obsession with getting everything covered. So number one, workflow learning helps fix the classroom and let it do what it does best. Number two relates to number one in a lot of ways, and that's this idea that everyone pretty much shared that what they learned when they did their five modes of need analysis, when they did workflow analysis, was that all things are important, and of course our SMEs or subject matter experts feel that way and believe that, of course, but the reality is that all tasks are not created equal. 
Criticality of failure. We're, we're pivoting on performance. So when you look at tasks, when you look at understanding, when you look at supporting knowledge, when you look at the resources that enable those through the lens of failure being the pivot, what's the criticality of failure? If someone tries to learn something on their own, if someone tries to remember something on their own, if someone tries to learn new and more on their own and fail, even though they have support, but fail, depending on the severity of that criticality, that's the area that we need to teach, impacting number one, the thing we talked about a moment ago. But every single organization came to the awareness that it took all the pressure off the fact that everything had to be trained, and it allowed us to work with our subject matter experts, with our business matter experts, with the line of business, through showing them the power of an EPSS, through showing them the power of workflow design, that even though things are all important, things are best learned and best left to the context of experience. And workflow learning lets us put it there, support it holistically with an EPSS. We're not leaving people out to dry or throwing them in the deep end. We're not intentionally setting up failure, but that when it does happen in a task, that everything is not critical. And number three, the five moments in the design process makes the workflow visible. This has been a remarkable learning for me personally, friends when I've done my own design in this years ago, was that I always am amazed, <laughs> candidly, how little I as a designer understood the workflow that my learners went back to. I understood what the SME wanted me to teach. I understood the content and the order and flow of the information. That is not the context of the workflow. When you start doing rapid workflow analysis with your stakeholders, every single time it amazes me how the SMEs themselves the business owners themselves, always at one time during the two days or three days that it takes, comes back to us and said, look, we had no idea what people actually did eight to five. We have SOPs. We have sales processes. We have leadership skills and competencies. But we didn't realize how that literally translated itself into the workflow. So one of the most powerful gifts you'll give to your organizations you support through creating and building five moments of need and workflow learning deliverables is that you will bring to them and make visible to the organization what is done within the actual work. Managers feel empowered by that because now they know what's truly being done. They know how to manage to it. And probably more importantly, they see gaps. They see things that are broken. They see redundancies. They see things being done, frankly, that should not be being done. But they really have never had a intentional and structured way to analyze and look into what was happening in the work itself. So the five moments of need design process, although the end game is workflow learning, five moments of need deliverables, is that you'll always hear and every organization heard and built a stronger relationship with the business because they help them see what actually happened. It makes the workflow visible. Number four, <laughs> one of Khan's favorite. Dr. Godfordson, content management is back and in a remarkable way. I remember going through this in the 90s. Content management, LCMSs, learning content management systems, knowledge management, all these things in their early days, we ran at friends in a big way. And I think for many, fell short. Content management is a remarkable discipline, but it's best done in the context of managing that content for an outcome. That was the big pivot for me. You know, often we went into managed content because it was lying around. There was too much. We had a lot to get our arms around. 
so it was actually chasing a content problem or a overwhelmed problem. We were missing context, friends. Content management in the context of roles, the context of the workflow, the context of tasks, the context of knowledge takes on a whole different light. And many of us are being asked to go into content curation of not just our own content or the content that the organization owns, but content that users are creating. Good performance support, good workflow learning will broker and reach into assets that a learner may be managing at an individual level. So content management takes on a remarkable role in migrating to workflow learning. And in many organizations, it was the tipping point they needed to do it well. It put the methodology of content management ahead of the technology of content management, which I think for a lot of us in the early days was how we did it and we had it wrong. We were buying LCMSs. We were seeing content messes. Our LMSs <laughs> were causing us to create these huge libraries. SharePoint was causing us to create huge content libraries. And so we ran at the technology overload, the content overload, we were lacking context and workflow learning will allow you to begin the journey of tackling content management in a manageable way, one outcome, one project at a time. Five, my favorite, methodology begets technology. I have been in this business, friends, for over 36 years and I'm a technology guy. I had one of the earlier mobile phones that looked like the size of a shoebox for those of you out there that are listening and remember those days. I've been all over every technology when it comes out. Whiteboards, smart boards, internet, virtual instruction. I was often and tried to be one of the first into these, but friends, when you chase technology for learning ahead of methodology to design that technology, it gets you in trouble. So every organization we talked to, somewhere in their lesson learned shared that either they had already bought technology and were trying to square hole round peg it, or that they were doing technology and trying to go ahead of that with SharePoint in their company or something else and fix it so that it worked. The power of the five moments of need is that it is a methodology first. Workflow learning is a methodology first. And if you run at the problem, if you analyze the tasks, if you design the workflows, if you understand the um, amazing amount of resources that need to be linked to that to support it based on the performance support pyramid you've heard us talk about many, many times, once that architecture is in place, technology will follow. And it is an evolutionary journey. Another thing we heard under this category, that people often started with something as simple as PDFs, linked PDFs from a Word doc. They may not have gone out and bought a formal authoring EPSS system. They had to crawl, walk, run. They might have used SharePoint. We've heard a bunch of different technologies that have been used, but as long as the principles of the methodology were applied, even some of the lower end technologies, i.e. a PDF, could work as they ultimately grew into the right technologies or the more powerful technologies or the appropriate technologies that they may have to actually purchase, like an authoring EPSS system, but they got there in an intentional way, understanding the needs of the organization, the kinds of workflow learning they had to build, and the methodology that drove it. So methodology always begets and will direct you toward the right technology. Halfway there, friends. Number six, 
Workflow learning makes measuring the impact of what we do a whole lot easier. Holy cow, I have been chasing ROI, my gosh, for well over 25 years. And I will argue that for almost 20 of that, I fell short. We've all heard of Kirkpatrick. We've all heard of the rest of the frameworks that talk about some level of measurement. And I get it. We all have gotten it. But friends, here's the problem. Linking training, a class, and e-learning to downstream performance is really hard. In fact, many would argue it's almost impossible. It helps. Those are absolutely part of the journey. They're part of the five moments. They absolutely have an impact on downstream, but they do not go into the workflow. They don't go downstream with the learner. So as we all know, the farther you remove a stimulus from a response, the farther you remove something that has an impact on the thing it's impacting, the harder it is to correlate its ability to do just that. Workflow learning is in the workflow. We can watch behavior. We can measure usage. We can associate clicking into an EPSS with performing poorly or well. Workflow learning will help you move your ROI into the business. It'll help you track KPIs. It'll help you understand how you're having a direct impact on performance. So workflow learning with still the five moments, still training in there somewhere, will allow you to build a much more robust, business-directed, performance-centered measurement for how your deliverables are doing and defend it for the business so that they know the impact we're having on the success of the business. Number seven, (laughs) don't wait, just do it. I love this one because what it implies is, friends, we are into analysis paralysis sometimes. And I know, trust me, I know that the mind shift and the journey from building training first to building performance first is hard. The problem is we see in many organizations and the ones that have been successful testify to this is that sometimes the mistake they made was they just spun on it too long. They waited for the perfect project. They waited until they could build out an entire performance support system. They waited until an entire content area, i.e. leadership or sales came along that they could lay this thing over. Don't wait, just do it. Build something in a new way and allow it to grow. One of my favorite things about performance support is you can attack a performance issue not a performance topic, meaning you can attack sales reps not turning in expense accounts well or correctly over not doing the sales process well or correctly. Now, I get the sales process well or correctly would be terrific. It's also huge. Not turning in expense reports correctly or on time or understanding that part is a lot smaller, but it's also something you can attack and run after and build workflow learning around in a much quicker and easier way to help people understand and see what this is. The power of seeing it. We heard this unanimously across all the presentations. The power of the business seeing this thing, touching it, poking it, using it, was what built the momentum to go to the next step. So what we call proof of concepts, a POC, not a project, a task, not a lesson, not a chapter, not a course, Friends, those are much too big pieces that you might not have to bite off when you're beginning this journey. Build POCs, proof of concepts, about and around a particular performance issue, even a performance task, but probably a performance process. Those become projects. Projects become platforms. 
Let me say it again. POCs will become projects. Projects will become performance support workflow platforms. But allow the organization to grow into that. Allow them to see the power of the smaller steps. But also, frankly, allow your team to warm up to it, to see the power of the smaller steps. So don't wait for these huge projects to come along. Just do it with a performance issue that's right in front of you. Get the buy-in and build from there. Number eight. This is one that I struggle with and still do to this day. But the discipline of change management is a must. And I will be the first to say that it was not in my wheelhouse. I have an advanced degree in the States in education, in design, in instructional design, and I didn't take one course on change management. I didn't see one PowerPoint on change management. I didn't read a lesson in a chapter of a book on change management. This is an area we have to get a lot better at in our business because change management is a part of adopting workflow learning because it is a change, not just in your deliverable friends, but it's a change in the way you work with a business. It's a change in the conversations you have. It's a change in the mindset in which they come to you for your deliverables. It's a change in how your team will build things. It's a change in the technology you may use to build things. All of these areas need change management as a discipline in helping you not just instructionally change, not just technically change, but culturally change in all the major stakeholders across your enterprise from you, your team, those you support, those who buy your stuff, those who ask for your stuff, and ultimately, and the most important, the learners who use our stuff. So every organization that's done this successfully has put together a formal change management strategy They've rebranded their teams, they've rebranded their roles, they've rebranded their terminology that they use when talking to the business. So change management is something we have to run at. You may have it in your department, you may add it as a role, you may have someone who oversees it, you may go into marketing and ask their help, you may even, and we saw this a couple times, you may even hire an outside firm, an outside organization to help you with this. But without change management, performance support, and the journey to workflow learning struggles. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it can happen a lot more effectively, quickly, and formally, and less painfully if we adopt change management as a discipline. Number nine, this is an unfortunate and interesting one, but we did hear it particularly in our most recent, but COVID friends, this awful thing we're in the middle of right now, presents an opportunity to accelerate this process. It really does. People are hurting. No one's asking for five days of anything. Classrooms, e-learnings are not really on the forefront and coming back anytime soon, particularly the classroom. So what are we going to do about that? The organizations are asking senior learning leaders for performance results to help performance get better, to help brand new workflows, and brand new approaches and brand new support structures that did not exist pre-COVID that are now at the desktop of everyone, many people trying to work from home. So what a great time to step up to the business and approach what we do in a very different way. Those that have capitalized on this ask, and you heard a few of them in our most, in our most recent podcasts, have done remarkable work because we also have a very receptive buyer. We have a very receptive buyer from the learner to their managers 
to the senior directors of organizations. They are wanting and receptive to innovation, to new approaches, and to even new technologies because we understand we live in a new normal. So our ability to not come back with another class, not come back with another e-learning, frankly, not even come back with another virtual class. Because again, friends, if you look at five moments, those are moments one and two in a different brand. I know those were some of the initial needs, but the reality is once the dust settles and it has begun to in this new world, it all comes down to performing. And the stresses, the demands on learners to perform are higher than ever and different than ever. So COVID has actually presented itself with an opportunity for us to have different conversations with our organizations, accelerate the process of creating different deliverables and allowing workflow learning, which we are all immersed in every day, now more than ever. And we as L&D professionals can step up in a powerful way and get the buy-in and the acceleration we've wanted because people aren't comfortable anymore. People aren't expecting the old normal anymore. They're looking for new ways to get help and support and workflow learning can do that. And finally, number 10. Wow, this is unanimous across everyone we went back to and so important for all the nine before this to work. Until workflow learning is the intent of our work, it will always be an afterthought and basically you'll be asked to make job aids. You will still build training first and be asked to build training first. Friends, every successful organization we talked to had made the mental shift and the deliverable shift and the operational shift and the design shift and the technology shift. All I've talked about in the first nine learnings to a performance first workflow design mentality. It is what they do. They don't come in anymore to create classes, but they still build some training. They don't come in anymore to build e-learning, but they still add some as a deliverable. In the old days, we inverted that. I inverted that. I came in and built classroom stuff. I used the word lesson. First thing out of my mouth when I sat down with subject matter experts, we sat down to design a course. That's what they asked for. That's what they came expecting to do. The organizations that have done workflow learning successfully are the ones that have shifted that mindset to coming in every day to build for the workflow for apply first. They're going to build performance support. They're going to build an EPSS. That's the tip of the sword. And yes, like still adding job aids and such to class, they will still add training, e-learning, and virtual instruction as part of the solution, particularly addressing moments one and two but they are not how they define themselves. They are not how the organization sees them. They are not what their buyers, if you will, come in every day and ask them to create. They have changed the conversation. They have changed the mindset and have been allowed to change the deliverable. Repeating, until workflow learning is the intent of our work, until it is how we are seen, until it is the vocabulary, technology, and methodology that we use, we will always still build training. They'll always ask for five days of something, and you'll never be allowed to do workflow learning in the first place. What an amazing 39 episodes. We can't thank enough those that journeyed with us 
the interviews we've done, the organizations that have taken time to share their best practices. If you go back and listen to the 39 episodes, there are some remarkable things back there. We could not have done that without all of you. We look forward to another 40 plus episodes and hope you're finding these helpful. Friends, be safe, be well. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.